Hello and welcome to Game of Moans, a podcast where we are re-watching Game of Thrones an episode at a time and, well, moaning about it, really. Um, and there will be moaning this week. I am Chris Bolton. With me, as always, our very own mountain, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And we're up to season four, episode eight, The Mountain and the Viper. Um, not the most imaginative title in the world, is it? No, I mean, to, to be fair, the... the... Some of the titles are pretty good and some are pretty on the nose. Um, this one, I don't even think it's fair to call it on the nose because these two fuckers only appear for the last 10 minutes anyway. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you, you, you're anchoring your episode on something that doesn't happen for 45 to 50 minutes and then it's done in the blink of an eye. Yeah, um, more on that when we get to it. But fucking strap yourselves in, listeners. Oh, As I said mate. last week, I'm not impressed with the end of this episode. Wasn't first time, wasn't this time. No. I mean, wrap yourselves in. I said we had a run of about four episodes on the bounce, which were really good and were really positive, and we we, we didn't moan too much about them. So we were going to have a couple then, which fucked it up. Um, and this yeah. is the, this is the second week in a row, really, um, where yeah. Well, last issues. week wasn't too bad. It was the week before that was horrendous. Um, was it? I, I'm sorry, I thought it was last yeah. week. I can't remember. No, last week wasn't too bad. Um, and to be fair, you know, most of this episode isn't awful um but there is some pretty unforgivable shit towards the end but anyway to dive in directed by alex graves written by the wonder twins um right first and foremost you know you can almost fucking place money on the fact i'm going to complain about the opening of these episodes now (laughs) because it seems to be consistent but yeah like at the risk of sounding all fucking points of view why oh why oh why oh why don't we just open inside the fucking brothel? Why yeah. do we have this ridiculous opening shot that there is absolutely no need for and completely steps on any kind of tension that we might have had by coming straight in to the fucking chaos inside? Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't understand. What a waste of film. What a waste of money. Like, it's actively worse for doing this. Yeah, it's yeah. It was, I mean, the the whole beginning part of this scene was fucking annoying anyway. Um, so you, know, you you get the you, you come in and you get them. The, the the scene with the hall was interesting, but it wasn't. It was fun. It wasn't interesting enough to carry this carry the start of the episode though. Um, oh. And the whole conversation about you know, where they're playing a drinking game about a song, I think it is, and she's burping a song, and the the, the men have to guess what it is. One guess is something, and she calls him an idiot. The other one guesses it right, and he's singing her praises because he thinks he's going to get fucked. And then she makes, you no, know, she starts making jokes about how small his cock is, which, okay, it's fine. It's no, it's pub banter. You kind of expect it, but you don't open the episode all night. No, I mean, I just do not understand why we didn't open on the raid and yeah. then we could have cut back to Gilly um, to, well, to th- put I, her in the center of it. That I would have been far more effective. Only, that was the only reason to do it, was that. You get you have this whore, and then she goes off and confronts Gilly about Sam crying in the night because fuck me, a baby crying, mm. heaven forbid. Um, and then so she, no, she's entirely aggressive, entirely abusive, and Gilly tells her to shut up. Um, I mean, Gilly's great in that scene. Yeah, as well. Gilly's great, you but like she just it. need to be um, there. That's no, the it, it doesn't need to be at all. But... No, you, you have the raid, and we we know that no, we've seen this tavern before. So even if you don't quite, you can't quite place it as the as the, the location where Sam's hidden there. You know, we're in, we're in a tavern. So then, wildlings come in, and start fucking shit up. Again, you have all the drama, all the tension. 
Egret comes in. Here's a, you think, oh, fuck, okay, there's a baby. Oh, fuck, is that Gilly? Oh, shit, we're in trouble. Egret sees her, shushes her, moves on with the race. There's your tension right there. I've actually written that pretty much as you've just described it as what they should do for the opening. I've literally put, why don't we open inside the tavern for fuck's sake? Um, We could have opened on the raid, then cut to Gilly as Egret finds her. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, that scene with Gilly, she's great in it, and it does a lot for a character, you know, where she grows a backbone, and we get the, the line of, you know, don't you ever touch him, she's yeah. great in there, and then even better when she turns around and says, shut your mouth, because she realises what's going on, that's great, but it's totally unnecessary, Yeah, um, and I would trade it for a better opening. Yeah, um, and, and literally, for the sake of cutting out, what, two minutes of, of footage? Just not using it, it'd have been a far stronger opening. Yeah, much, much better. But hey ho, there you go. Um <laughs> that's what we got. Um we, we go to Castle Black then and there's this really nice foreboding atmosphere just running through it and it's and yes. they keep it they keep the scene brief. There's nothing here that seems excessive. Um it's it's just there for, for Atmos, basically, yeah. and, and to touch base with them and and that's fine. It works. It doesn't outstay its welcome. Um yeah. And uh, to be fair, the scenes we've had at Castle Black this season have done that. They they have been very succinct. They have been very to the point. Um, and it's it's right. We're in. We're saying what we're saying, and we're out. And they, this is probably a little bit longer because you get Sam to pining over the fact and blaming himself the fact she might be dead, and we get all of that. But it's it's cut down. It's like, yeah, she survived Crasta. She survived White Walker. What they didn't say is she survived you. You know, she 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 didn't get killed while you were looking after her, Sam. So she's probably fine. Yeah. You know, and it's it's a nice scene. It's a, um, and it gives him a bit of hope. It gives him a bit of pluck, and then um, and yeah, that's that's all we needed. But then it's back to right. Okay, well, if they're if they're south of the wall, this was a fucking warning. This was a message for us. They're here and they're coming. Yeah, it's, and it's again, good. It sets it up a nice lot. bit of peril. And yeah. I think is it next week? Um, is there's always the, the ninth episode in there where you have the big set piece. Yes. And yeah. I think it's I think that's the episode which is entirely at the wall, isn't it? Yes, and Castle I Black. believe so. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's setting it up nicely. We know. But at this point, we're, you know, we're coming to the end of four seasons. We know that the next episode, the penultimate episode of the season, is always the big one. It's yeah. always where the where the action is, where the biggest drama is, where the biggest consequences usually are. And, yeah, so we, we're, we're building nicely to that. Yes, definitely. Um, so, yeah, that's all good. Um, then we get our weekly tit quota. Um, Missander gets them out. Um, yeah. But, I, I mean, to be fair... I would argue this is one of those rare occasions where it's justified. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I think it's one of those that, yes, okay, th- there are other tits in the scene which are unnecessary, but you put it in context. You yes. have the, the 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 not slave army um, and the, the handmaids, they, no, they're basically bathing in a river. It's it's their downtime and they need to be clean, so that's kind of how it works. Um, but you do get, um, it's it's a far more gentle, it's a far tenderer scene than you normally get, where it's normally just tits for the sake of tits. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... and there's an, there's an, there's an attempt where she so she realizes what's going on, so, and then she thinks, oh, I probably better cover myself up. Um, yeah, it tells us a lot about Grey Womb as well. Yes, you know, it does. It, you know, he he obviously has feelings for her, but he's confused because he's because no, he's, he's been cut. Yeah, he's he's not, he doesn't understand this, yeah. uh, and then he, you know because of that, he's kind of embarrassed immediately when she sees him as well, and he kind of sinks below the water. It's yeah. Yeah, I, I would argue it's justified. It, it yeah, definitely. So um, that's probably the, probably one of the, the very few occasions um, in the entire show. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then you know, just shortly after that, we get a scene where Grey Worm actually comes and apologizes. 
Yes. Or looking at her tits, which is a very rare thing for this show. Fucking hell, a man showing respect to a woman. Hmm. What the hell? Um, yeah, I think somebody else wrote that scene. Yeah, um, and, and no, it, it does it was... a hell of a lot to endear us to Grey Worm. Certainly me, anyway. It, it does yeah, a hell definitely. of a lot to, to endear the audience to him, I think. You know, you start yeah. to think that he's not just this kind of mindless slave killing machine essentially he's not just a terminator yeah and i mean it's it's difficult because i mean all we've had of him so far there was there's one scene in an earlier episode of the season where the two of them are having uh, a language lesson you know she's teaching her to speak um english or common time or whatever they call it so we have that there's been there have been little bits of um of of interaction between them and no, there is a very definite chemistry between them i think they do very well um with the limited time they have actually i will give them credit for that they do yes this this scene is really does escalate that to a point where we don't really know every every time she tries to find out about gray worm his past where he's from or he's just no i'm unsullied i nothing before i'm just gray worm that's all i am and it's almost as if it's kind of like a brainwashing thing whereby you know you can't no, it never happened nothing no you were nothing before this and you know, he's been repressed and beaten all the rest of it and that probably happened to a point but he made it's a very tender scene where she says oh, i'm sorry that happened to you. it's a horrible thing to happen to a child and his his retort is brilliant i'm not because if they hadn't done that then yeah. i wouldn't have met you and it's a really nice scene and it's so unexpected because as I said, we've not seen any sort of humanity from the unsullied before no, up until now they have just been a mindless army who are intent on killing things um and yeah it was a really nice scene i really yeah it is it is a nice scene um i think it starts better than it ends um i think the the initial kind of gray worm speaking in the in the broken common tongue um it is again endearing and his apologies endearing and and i like the intent behind the scene but but the the conversation particularly from miss sande kind of swings around very quickly as you say to to her talking about his castration mm. and that just seems weirdly forward um it, it feels like we kind of jumped a whole middle section of the conversation because they needed to get the scene done yeah possibly uh, i mean i think i think i mean to be fair though i mean there's something to be said for um reading the characters is that she is she has always been a slave and uh, is recently freed he has always been a slave and is recently freed so these sort of social filters amongst themselves probably aren't there. These social cues wouldn't exist. Yeah, so I think, maybe. I think jumping yeah. around there is possibly um, possibly acceptable. I mean, for me, I like the sentiment of this scene. It was it's something we haven't seen before. It's something that, as as we've said a million times, when things in this show are done well, they really do fly and they really you know, they really do work. Um, and for, like for me, this is one of those whereby there were two characters who largely until now I could give a fuck about. You know, mm. I'm, I'm not that bothered, and all of a sudden they're actually interesting because they're people yeah i mean i do i like the sentiment as i say i have no I have zero issue with with the the sort of um the sentiment behind the scene and, and where it's going and what it adds to, to both of them as characters it just for me that dialogue feels really forced it feels quite clumsy um and mm, you know i i, 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 I don't lay any blame on on either of the performers for that i i lay the brain squarely at the feet of the writers like the sentiment is there they're doing the right things they're pushing the right buttons mm. um unfortunately though they're kind of jabbing big red buttons as opposed to <laughs> keying in delicate sequences yeah. um you know they're, they're firing nukes when uh when maybe they should just be trying to cool down a little bit um yeah. it's but 
it's fine though it gets us where it needs to go i just it does feel clumsy to me the the kind of instant swing of the needle from i'm very sorry that i i looked at you and i shouldn't have done that to well what does it feel like to have your balls cut off then like that's you know <laughs> it was it's just oddly forward i think you know even without the social filters i think there is a far more elegant approach to be oh, taken yeah I mean, of course, of course, there is, but it's the Wonder Twins. You can't expect a fucking yeah, miracles. Oh, yes. Yeah. Look, I, I'm not expecting miracles. Um, I'm just pointing out what's there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, do, I think we're both in agreement that the scene is good. It's, it's just that that dialogue is. Yeah. It just strikes me as odd. Um, yeah, so that, yeah. you know, at, at this point, that, you know, the last two scenes have been pretty good. And then here comes fucking Reek, really, who I, I just, I still don't understand Reek. I just no. don't, because again, we're in a situation where Theon could very easily make a break for it. Well, this is it, and I, I mean, we've had this a couple of times now, whereby he has opportunities to escape. He has opportunities to, you know, to 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 get to bring himself back to who he is, and it's a very it's a bold move from Ramsay to like you need to go back to pretending to be Theon because you're not Theon, are you? You're my little bitch, but you're going to pretend to be Theon and do what I tell you to do. And surely the whole th- the thing of that is that again we haven't seen him broken. We we, we see that he is no. broken, but we have no idea why. I I just don't understand it. I hate it. It is my without shadow of a doubt. Even with all the problems that we'll pull out in the in the coming seasons, mm. it is without a doubt the thing I dislike most about the entire show is the Reek storyline. I just I don't understand it. it no, I I don't understand it, but I also don't understand where it goes. This is the thing. That's what I'm saying. I don't understand why it's there. I don't understand how it works. And that's because just the work hasn't been put in for us, as, as we said. Um, yeah. And, you know, for, for essentially a broken man, if that's what we're going for, is that now he's broken and he is reek. Like mm. for a broken man who's meek and mild um, with, with Ramsey, like he doesn't have put on a good Theon performance. Well, when yeah, he actually has to. It's like he flicks a switch and becomes Theon again. So if what, that's well, in it. him. Yeah. That's, then, that's what I was going to say. If it's if it's in there enough for him to to extract it and use it, then surely it's in there enough to fucking no remember who he is. Well, especially when the conversation swings around and he he clearly remembers and describes his father bending the knee. Yeah. So he's a he he knows he's Theon. He can remember that. That's a memory that he has. Mm. So it makes zero fucking sense for him to go from that back to Reek. Yeah. Um, whatsoever. I don't get it. I don't no, get it. I, I don't. Um, again, no. In, in terms of the scene itself, though, it's no, we get some nice pointless violence. No, we get some uh, some nice pointless violence. Theon gets spat on, which is always always a bonus. Uh, we get some no, senseless violence where one of the Ironborn gets an axe through the head, and then ends up getting flayed. So you know, swings and roundabouts. There's, there's some entertainment value to it. No, um, yeah, it, the scene's fine. It's handled fine. It's directed well. It's, yeah, it's for what it's, good, it's performed well. I just don't fucking understand what the hell is going on, and I never have. No. Um, I I just hate fucking Reek. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, the the next scene by no, by comparison, the way. Um, let's say no, we we start off with, um, the the Ironborn guy who was just talking to Theon, now flayed on a on a cross. Um, we get some. Some talking where we get Roos comes along, legitimizes Ramsey. All this stuff is really good character stuff. But yeah, it's just I mean, like that's even... a little bit later, actually, that Roos legitimizes oh, that... him, isn't it? Yeah, but it, that thought... is an excellent scene. It's actually, I mean, we can talk about it now. It's fine. I mean, 
I've actually written in my notes like that scene between them is so well played and so yeah. well written like it's it's actually quite touching. Yeah, and it's almost like you you forget they, that they're the villains. Yeah, <laughs> you, I was gonna really say, you, you forget the fact that you're supposed to hate these people. A, because you know, Roos betrayed Rob and Ramsay is fucking Ramsay. Um, you, but you almost forget that and you almost feel a sense of, sort of almost triumph for him that he's he's um, he's achieved. He's stepped out of that shadow. He doesn't have that you know, bastard label hanging over his head anymore. He is now he has arrived. And I think, hang on, he's a cunt. I'm not supposed to like him. He's a cunt. But that's, but you, that's you can't because, help yourself. Yeah, with, with the exception of John and Jamie, really, he's the only other character at this point that, that's gone on any kind of narrative journey. Like it. Yeah, he's he's moved here. His character is moved. He's not the same Ramsey that he was at the start of the episode. Something happens, and he's certainly not the same Ramsey as he was when we first met him. Something has happened now. He's changed, and he's going to grow in confidence. And ultimately, this will make him even more of a cunt. Yeah. But he's been on a journey, and he's mm. changed. And that doesn't happen with a lot of these characters, as we keep saying, because they don't have character arcs. And yeah. um, so it's like it, it's a touching scene, and it's rewarding for us as an audience and especially because we don't really get it that often um actually i misspoke there is another of course egret does get that arc as well yeah. um but it you know these kind of arcs are few and far between and we'll see one of them cut down spectacularly at the end of this episode um but before we get there um we get little fingers inquisition which is so much better than Tyrion's. Yes. from a couple of weeks ago like why Tyrion's couldn't have been done like this i don't know it's tense it's pacey the yeah. camera's locked in tight. It's it's everything that Tyrion's courtroom scene should have been. Um, uh, and it's a shame thing. it I mean, wasn't. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. is that you look at um, Tyrion's, and because you know that, no, you believe that Tyrion is innocent, you're, you're, you're automatically aligned to Tyrion because you have been the entire show. You see, you know, you see the procession of shit against him, and it just, it's almost, a, you, you sort of will yourself to not know, to not want to hear it. And it's handled so no, it's handled so poorly because I, I think when they're writing it, they no, they it's almost like they said, well, we want to stack it so badly against him that nobody's going to believe him. But it's just so ham-fisted. Yeah. Whereas this, because you're predisposed to think Littlefinger's a cock, you you kind of you want to see him get his come up and it looks like he's going to get it because no, clearly no, no, yes, okay, Lysa Aaron was no nutty as cow shit, but she wasn't suicidal. She was no, she never displayed those sort of tendencies. And obviously, we saw Littlefinger push her out of the moon a little more. Uh, was it last week or the week before? Whatever it was. Last, um, week. So, last week. So we saw that. So we know he's guilty. Whereas with Tyrion, we don't. So there's all there's always that outside chance that we think he might, he's going to get off because he can't have done it, surely. Um, and with Littlefinger, we're just waiting for him to get his comeuppance. And because of that, the, it allows it allow, it's allowed him to write it in such a way and to direct it in such a way where it's all again, it's all looking down on him. He sat down looking up at the um, the, the elders or wherever they are from the Vale. Whereas Tyrion's always looking up anyway, and he's always being pressed down. He's always oppressed. So you kind of you, you don't get that with him, but it's almost as if they've they've framed Littlefinger in such a way where he is just getting stepped on left and right. Yeah. And then in comes Sansa to 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 save the day, which I thought was a lovely touch, to be honest. I absolutely yeah, Sansa's fantastic in this scene. Um, incidentally, do cows eat nuts? I don't um, know. Yeah, yeah, just wondering. Um, you set me, you set me down a path there. Um, <laughs> Sorry, um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, as, as a senior, I really like this. It's, it's, it's shot nice, it's great scene. Nice. There's lots of tension. You really do get the impression that little finger is concerned because he knows he's fucked. Um, and then Sansa comes in, and you think, you know, because all we've seen from Sansa always, you know, 
every we're time she's in it, she's in a bitch. Mild little girl we're expecting Sansa. her to be meek and mild and just spill her guts about absolutely everything. And then all of a sudden, and then when she starts, my name is Sansa Stark. Excuse me. Um, this and the other, and you think, oh right, okay, well, little thing is fucked because now she's going to say that he chucked her out the window. Yeah. And she just starts playing this she's role perfectly. Wonderful. She's absolutely wonderful. I've, I've written she in turns big... on the tears and it's brilliant. Yeah. And then when she's being embraced by the woman whose name I can't remember if I ever knew it in the first place, and looking over her shoulder, she just clocks little finger, and it's this look yeah. that says, "Oh, that look is superb." And yeah. anyway, all of a sudden it says, "Yeah, you did this. I'm like this because of you." Um, I've I've written a separate note at the end of my Sansa notes that literally just says that look to little finger exclamation point. Um, yeah. Wonderful. We've talked about this before. How. Um, one thing that a lot of the cast do very well in this show is say things without saying anything at all. Um, when they give it a so chance. don't tell. Yeah, and and this is one of those moments. Yeah, that look to Littlefinger says, like you could have no dialogue in this scene and understand what's going on there, but we do get dialogue. And yeah, I've started my notes. Go Sansa, all in block capitals with triple <laughs> underlines and an exclamation point. Like it's so good. Yeah. to see her taking charge and she is fantastic she is putting everything that she's learned from the last four years of observing these these scheming bastards just sitting yeah. back and watching them and she's putting all of that observation to use here like she's learned from the best she's learned from Cersei she's learned from Littlefinger she's learned from Tyrion she's picked yeah. up these little bits she knows how to play this game yes and she plays it brilliantly it's it's wonderful stuff. It's yeah, the best thing in the episode by far. She yeah. is absolutely fucking superb. Yes. Um, and then you know, straight off the back of that, we get Littlefinger climbing back on the horse. He's had a narrow escape. She climbs straight back on the horse and starts sowing seeds for Robin as well. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, it's great. The scene is great. Unfortunately, they don't stick the landing. We get the horrendous line: "Time for Robin to leave the nest." Yes. Uh, yuck. Just that yeah, was a bridge and, too far. I was just I don't care who wrote it, I don't care if that was the Wonder Twins or George R. R. Martin, somebody wants fucking shooting over that line. That is a bridge too far. But the scene everything leading up to that is great. You know, little yes. fingers kind of walk and talk as they're going down the steps and, and kind of bigging up Robin and just laying the table basically for a coup d'etat is what he's doing. Oh absolutely, yeah. And it yeah, it's it's great stuff. Really, really good stuff. Um we get a nice scene next as well, you know, Barristan confronting Jorah. Um, yes. I thought it was nice. You know, it's a, it's a callback to stuff that, to be honest, you could all but have forgotten about by yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, because if, this this was the thing when Robert and Ned were still alive. Yeah. And that um, was fucking three seasons ago. Now, look, we could we could argue that we don't need to come back around to this, to be honest, um, because we don't uh, at all. So. But, you know, it, it's it's handled pretty well, I think. It says a lot about Barristan's character as well, yes. you know, that, that Barristan is uh, is going to go and see Jorah first before he yeah. says anything. Um, so I like that. Um, and then, of course, we have to have the inevitable fallout with Danny, um, and she is excellent in the scene with Jorah. Uh, just absolutely excellent. It, there's rage just bubbling up beneath yeah. the surface with her, but she's calm and measured yeah. um she's you know she's almost psychotic in fact i would say very much um, so um and i, I can say that her... detached from the whole thing almost yeah it? As it was, and, and again we've seen so we've seen so far whereby when um drogo killed her brother she was just entirely blank and just observed and she was fine and then 
when she burnt the the witch who um, did the blood magic on Drogo, completely detached, disinterested, completely emotionless. And we get this all the way through. And for all people, again, anytime people go, yeah, but she's compassionate that she freed the slave because it's the right thing to do. No, she's fucking conquering worlds. She, no, she's yeah. doing it because she she has an agenda, um, and this was brilliant. The one thing that did annoy me with this this scene, um, they've set it up really well. So she's she's up higher on the steps and he's kneeling. For some reason, the the shot the the, the shot of her is too close. And yes, yeah, it's it. I don't know if it's too close or if the ratio is off, but it makes her face look a bit too round. Yeah, and it bugged the piss out of me. I don't know why, because the scene the performance was excellent from both of them. I, I, um, yeah, I think the performances are, are superb. Um, some of the best stuff I think we've actually seen from Amelia Clark. I think it's excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's excellent. Yeah. I said just the, the the framing of it. Just or the framing's a bit that. off. Yeah, and it was only that shot. It wasn't the shot with Jorah. Well, no, the, the reverse where he's on his knees on, on the bottom of the steps. It's not. It's, no, it wasn't in any of the wider shots. It was just that one shot of her. The, the close-up of her was too close, and yeah. I don't know why they did that. No. Um, so, but other than that, it's a good scene. It would have been, it would have been far better had we just at least had, well, not better, but more effective had we had some sort of reminder of this storyline at all. Um, last well, week, we, we did, before. we did. In uh, whether it was last week or the week before, we had a small council meeting where um, you had Marjorie's father licking Tywin's arse and Oberyn really not wanting to be there. There's there's a very throwaway comment from Var- from Varys um, about the fact that you know, he's not spying for them anymore. He's besotted with her, and that was it. That's the yeah, only mention I mean, we've had in not, three fucking years. Yeah, that's that's not enough, is it? Is that, like what I'm saying is, we're getting a payoff here to something that oh, we, we had a setup and we had a payoff, but we didn't get anything in the middle, um, and it's been four fucking years. Um, yeah. So the one, it's the good. One thing, the one thing I but, didn't I didn't quite like about it is that, um, and I don't know whether this is me or whether I mean, probably it's just me. It's almost as if he's Barristan came to see him, and it's like he, he accepted his fate. He didn't try and defend himself. He didn't seek her out immediately. He waited to be summoned. Yeah. And I thought that was a bit out of character. That's not him. That no, he's he's more forthright than that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it, it doesn't detract from the scene itself. No. The scene itself is great, um, and. Even him walking in, where there's that, so there's a very urgent, no, a urgent clip to his step. He's moving a bit quicker than he normally does. He's he seems a bit nervous. He seems a bit agitated. That's all really good stuff. I just don't think that he'd have waited to be summoned. I think he'd have been right. Okay, if I can't see her on my own, I'll come with you now and let me tell her. Let yeah. no, get no. I know what I am. I know I I was a I was a um, people trafficker. I was a cell sword. Um, I'm I've, I've betrayed her. I know what I am. Let me at least be upfront and honest about it with her. You're going to tell her anyway, so that, no, please give me the chance to do it first. Yeah. Uh, I think that that would have been more in keeping, and I think that would probably be more more in line with both of their characters, actually. I think that Barrison would have given him the opportunity to do the honourable thing and say, look, yes, I'm going to put my... This has happened, and I can't, I can't change what's happened. This is it, and all I can do is follow my sword or not. But give him that opportunity. Yeah, I think you're right, particularly since he's been to see him in the first place. Um... Yeah. It just seems that without doing that, it's an entirely redundant. Kind of is, yeah. yeah. The action of going to tell him first is made redundant, isn't it? Um, but yeah, for what it's worth, I think it's good. Um, the it's, it's, there, it's great. It, I and, and probably haven't seen itself, but it just it, it yeah. doesn't fit. And and the storyline, look, it, it does work. We have the setup, we have the payoff. It does work. 
Um, I'm not saying it doesn't. All of it works. I just wish that we'd had a bit more meat in the middle, really. Yeah, either uh, that or they'd done it two years ago. Yeah, but I when, mean, it, when, it, when it meant something. Yeah, it, it does work, so that's fine. Um, th- it's here that we get the scene between Ramsey and Bruce, which oh, we've already spoke about. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lovely scene. Um, and then we're back to Littlefinger and Sansa, um, and the scene between them is fine, but there's something odd about it, and I've been racking my brain trying to work out what it is, and I think it's that there's a little bit too much space in the cuts, like they're yes. too measured. Um, so we wait for one character to stop speaking before we cut to the next character, and then we wait for them to start speaking, and yeah, it just seems stunted. Yeah, um, it, it does. And not only that, the the physical space seems off as well. It's, it does, doesn't it? It, it definitely it seems does. to be a very small room, but I, I know little fingers little. Um, I know, I know the guy. Is, he's a small actor. He's, he's not Tyrion small, but he's he's not a big person. Um, but it just seems that Sansa is very cramped in her frame, mm. whereas he's in a corridor and a door, or sort of a little hallway and a doorway, and he seems completely dwarfed by it. It just yeah. seems off. I don't know what. I don't know. Yeah, what it is. there's something really fucking odd about the scene. Um, the, I mean, again, the, the the exchange between the two of them, I really like. I thought so. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's like you were saying about the shot of Danny earlier. It's just that there is something odd about it. And as I say, yeah. whatever it is, I can't quite put my finger on it. But I, th- for me, I think it's that there's just too much breathing room in them cuts. But I mean, I, I'm splitting hairs there. To be fair, you know that that's mm. most people aren't going to give a shit about that. So no, that's right. You know, I'm not I'm not going to dwell on it too much. It's just that there is something weird about it. Um, but other than that, as you say, it's a good scene. Um, not as good as the next one um, when Arya and the Hound arrive. Oh, this and is my favourite scene. Arya bursting out laughing at the news yeah. that Lysa's dead is just absolutely brilliant. It just yeah, and, but it, it's it's not just a little snicker. It's full on fucking full on hilarity. Bursts out laughing because, of course, her aunt is dead. Like, yeah. of course, she is. Because yeah, you, yeah, you were taking me to my brother. Life. Yeah, you yeah. were taking me to my brother and my mother, and they're both fucking dead. So you were going to sell me to my aunt, and now she's dead. So now what are you going to do, you twat? Yeah. And it's great. It's, it's brilliant. And I, I love Maisie Williams. I think she does, she does a great job throughout the entire show with a couple of missteps with the character arc, but not her fault at all. No. Um, no. But, yeah, I mean, for me, this is probably one of the first times I actually noticed her as a character on, on my first watch and how well Maisie Williams delivered it. And I was just like, that's absolutely fucking spot on because it, it I'd say, of course, of course she's dead. Because what? Um, yeah. Why would anything? Why, go to why did we expect any fucking thing else at this yeah. point? <laughs> why would we expect anything to go to plan where these two fuckers are concerned? Yeah. Um, it, so yeah, I, I, I loved. It. I thought it was great. And this whole th- the, the whole thing about no, no, I'm Sandor Clegane. I'm here to deliver Lysa Aaron's niece, and he's like, oh, Lady, I'm sorry if you lost Lady Aaron's dad, and. It's a split second. It's not. There's not even any sort of comprehension or dawning. She just immediately starts pissing herself. Yeah, it's wonderful. Beautiful. It's such a funny moment. Um, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, one of the funniest moments we've had in the show so far. I would argue, in fact, um, because it's so. It's not. It's. It's not played for. It's not. Oh, no. It's written and it's, it's it's set up. But we've not had any big contrivance to. Not any massive setup. No. It's, it's totally throwaway. I think we. This is the one brief scene they're in this week. Yeah, yeah, um, it's great. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, really, really good. Um, we we next get what I'm going to refer to as as Sansa's transformation scene. Um, yes. and it's it's fucking fantastic. Like top a, marks to the costume designers and just 
yeah, it, it, and, and the lighting. There's a nice, nice throwback as well. Um, her her entrance to the Citadel when she's marrying Tyrion. Yes, was, was I think the end of last season. Again, that was it's the same shot, just in a different location. But this time, where she is being dragged forcibly to her doom, this time she very much owns that fucking shot. And yeah, it's, it's beautiful. She just emerges from the shadows. She's backlit. She's in this just power crazed dress with the big fucking shoulders, all yeah. in black. Like she looks fucking threatening. Yeah, it's the first time ever. She looks like she's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Um, it, brilliant 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 and again so much without saying anything yes just brilliant brilliant stuff um like we've said before when this show gets it right it gets it really right and it just top marks to the costume designers there seriously because it is all about that costume the backlight the backlight is is good you know the the blocking is good but that fucking costume just does wonders for her um then I, I probably misspoke a bit earlier, actually, again, when I said Sansa's uh, speaking to Littlefinger uh, or speaking on behalf of Littlefinger was the best stuff in the episode. It is very, very good. And it's great to see Sansa do that. But actually, the best the best is is yet to come. And it's, it's here with Peter Dinklage um, yeah. giving us the story of, of Cousin Orson. Um, yes. It's just utterly captivating. Yes, I, I really loved as well. The, this, the scene starts where they're talking about, you know, regicide fratricide infanticide is there is there a murder there's not one for and jamie immediately says cousins and it's it's so easy to forget that he murdered a cousin to try and get away from the starks when he was captive in season two yes and it just again just shows that's been playing on his mind yes and it's it's such it was such a throwaway moment um between the two of them when they were both in in the cage and it hasn't been referenced for a long time because there didn't seem to be any consequence from it. You know, he murdered him and then he murdered the Karstark son um, to get away. And that was the one that was focused on. But clearly that the fact that he did kill a person who was who fucking idolized him and looked up to him and was, was talking about their shared past and their heritage and all the rest of it, that's clearly been weighing on him for three fucking seasons. And I thought that was a beautiful touch. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. The scene starts well like that. I think I think you're right. As I've said before, I always like the two of them together, yeah. um, and this is no exception. But yeah, when we get into this monologue that, that Tyrion has, where he's recounting the story of of cousin Orson, um, yeah. it's just. I mean, look, Peter Dinklage is always great, even with poor material. You know, sometimes he's the fucking sole savior of the show. Yeah. Um, but when he gets something like this that he can sink his teeth into he just elevates to a whole nother level like this is top shelf stuff it's it's fucking spellbinding you know it's again so much is in the subtext here you know like he's 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 weaving this yarn about beetle crushing cousin Mm -hmm. orson but he's clearly talking about joffrey yeah um and that comes through it just shines through in the performance he he just does wonderful 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 stuff here it's i mean this is I I don't think there's been a better performance in the show yet, if I'm perfectly honest. It's it, like watch the monologue two three minutes probably. Yeah. Um and just yeah I was glued absolutely mm. glued to the screen. Um and, and it's yeah. you know it, they they don't do anything spectacular with the camera during it either. They just let him go. Yeah, um, and I think as well. I mean, you look at most of the time we have these any sort of monologue or any sort of um any sort of honest not very stark very honest very open conversations they're always very grand and very sweeping and have big implications this is about a retarded cousin who got kicked in the chest by a mule and died mm. having spent his entire life crushing beetles with a rock 
it seems so inconsequential, but it still has that same gravitas as when he's been talking about, I don't know, when they were talking about um, the fact that his mother, no, their mother died in childbirth and it wasn't his fault, but the father, no, but Tywin blamed him. All this stuff, which is really heavy and really weighty and really meaty. And all of a sudden, we, no, I say we're talking about um, a, a mentally ill cousin uh, who used to abuse Beatles. And it's, again, it's just, it's handled so deftly, which is, is so rare in this show. Yeah. Um, I think it stands out for that reason. I think it gives um, Peter Dinklage and Nicola Castor-Walder a chance to really shine while doing, while actually acting as opposed to having any sort of, I mean, certainly in, in Jamie's case, it's all been about action, uh, mm. his, his role up until this point. And all of a sudden he gets to sit and listen and yeah. he does that very well as well. Yeah. I, it, yeah. It, it's wonderful stuff. And as I say, it's, Yes, it's you know you can take it at, at surface. It works at surface level because the performance is so good. It works yeah. as a story about a, a mentally ill child who spends his life crushing beetles with rocks. Um, but the performance also brings the subtext out if you want to look for it, and it's all yes. there about how cruel Joffrey was and yeah. how unhinged he was and how pointless um, it was, how and how irrational yes, it was. Yes, and and ultimately. Um, leading up to Joffrey's death as well, what happened there and why that happened. It's all encapsulated yeah. in this two, three minutes of story. Um, fucking, like, bravo, just to yeah. everyone. <laughs> you know, I don't know if this was from the book. I'm assuming it was. Um, but, you know, bravo, great writing, great performance, yeah. bold direction as well, because yeah. we basically just let him go. Um, yeah, wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, unlike the rest of the fucking episode. Right, here we go. Um, oh, right, strap in, folks. Here we fucking go, okay? I tell you what, go and hit pause, go and get yourself a cup of coffee or a, or something stronger, come back, hit play, and then, yeah, we'll let Chris run at it because this is going to uh, go for a bit. No, I mean, look, I can probably encapsulate this quite quite succinctly because I'm, I'm so fucking annoyed by it and there, is, <laughs> there are so many. And look, okay, first of all, I accept that I have a bias towards Oberyn as a character. I've said it right throughout this season. I think he's fucking brilliant. I, I just, I love it whenever he's on screen. Okay. And last week we we're building him up as the big hero and stuff. And I was, yeah, I was all for it. Okay. I get it. I have bias. Right. Maybe that's the point. Okay. Maybe I'm a dupe. Right. Okay. Fine. But even so, like, just the speed in which all of this happens and the throwaway nature of it annoys yep. the absolute living fuck out of me. Never mind the complete lack of any kind of logic yep. to any of this whatsoever. Like we've talked before about treating the audience with respect and you like, look, I will put a lot of stuff aside, right? For suspension of disbelief sake, I will put a lot of things aside but I just, I cannot get past this. Couldn't at the time. I was furious at the time. Um, I knew it was coming now, so I was probably slightly less angry, but it still left me with a bit of taste. Um, but look, before we get there, just very quickly, Oberyn, to start off with, his confidence, as always, is great. He is yeah. absolutely great. He's built as a hero here again, and he's built as a credible threat to the Lannisters, like not just to the mountain, to the Lannisters, like he's coming for them, you know, and he's the whole discussion with Tyrion about his armor and stuff like that. And he's like, no, I don't need it. And fight. You know, his confidence is brilliant. He, he utterly believes in himself. Yeah. And 
and therefore we believe in him as well. He, they do a lot to build him as a credible threat, and they have done throughout this season. You know, yeah. we talked um, right back at the start of the season about how they weren't building credible foes for John. This is how you do it, okay? But we've built him as a credible hero. Um, and then they put so much work into the misdirection as well. I, I'm a bit annoyed at myself, like I really should know better. You know, at one point Tyrion even says to him, can you at least put something on your head? Yes, I was going um, to mention that. You know, it's all there, okay? I get it. It's all there. Um, and then the fight starts. And, and like, to start with, the fight is fucking brilliant as well. You know, like, Oberyn comes out swinging. Um, you know, and, he, well, he basically, we, we talked how, how Sirio was clearly seen the Princess Bride before this started. But, yeah. like, literally, the start of this fight, like, Oberyn just lays it down. He, he pretty much says, hello, my name is Oberyn Martell. <laughs> <laughs> you make my, my sister. sister prepare to die like it's <laughs> it's all there you know um he, he really is an ego montoya here yeah. um and and you know we said last week uh we we debated it for for quite a bit actually that the mountain would blow up if you danced around him enough and you could keep moving and you could mm. stick and move and take him down and it's exactly what oberin does he's all over him he clearly has this fight by yeah. a fucking country mile yeah. The mountain has not got a fucking hope in hell. And that's clear as soon as the fight starts. Um, on top of that, he deserves to win this fight. This yes. is this is his arc. This is where we've been building all season. And then you carry his arc through so he can go after the next Lannister and the yeah. next Lannister. And if anyone's going to take him out, it should be fucking Tywin. Of course it should. For fuck's sake. Like... It, I just hate how they end it so soon. Like, they just cut his arc down completely. Well, yeah, that, that was my problem. I mean, on, on first watch, um, I say it was shocking more than anything else. And I was the same as you. I was, I was really fucked off because I was thinking, right, okay, well, we've spent a year building up the fact that they raped and murdered his sister. He's after the Lannisters. He's, he, you know, we, we've lost Ned. We've lost Rob. We've lost Cat. The, the, there's no threat to the Lannisters anymore, apart from themselves, because you know they're, they're their own worst enemies at this point. So we've built it up and built it up, and th there's a story here. There's a, there's very much a backstory, and it has follow through because Marcellus over in Dawn, where he's yeah. come from. There's you no, know, there's another brother who didn't come to the wedding, who should have been at the wedding, and they sent Oberyn instead. There's all this stuff that's built up so much that we haven't explored yet. Yeah. it's just been dangled in front of us, suggesting that this yeah. is all going to come into play. And then all of a sudden, you get you get the fight, and as I said, the fight is the, the, the fight when it's when it's being fought is fine. But then again, you, I, I'm not even sure whether I'm annoyed with the, the way he goes about the fight. Once once the mountain's down, he stabs him through the heart. Okay, we we know he's a big dude that should have fucking killed him. But yep. you finish him off. Yeah, no, you, this, you, yeah, the, you, this is that, a bit that annoyed me. The, he, there was never any point in him caught, trying to get him to name Tywin. He no, knows and, Tywin was behind it. Yeah, so and I know, and I know he's got this arrogance and this confidence. I get that, but he's already showed that off, okay. Yeah. And, and what he's out for is vengeance, pure and simple, okay. So you drive the fucking spear through his heart, you spit yeah, in his face, you, you want, you announce to the crowd why you're there. Yeah, what you don't do while he's on the floor is spend five minutes showboating. Yeah, so that he can and even the move, even the hound sweeping his ankle, right? He's He's just spent the last fucking two minutes dancing around like he, he should be able to jump out of the way of that very yeah. easily and doesn't like it's it just feels so 
forced and engineered. Yeah. Um, just like the it. conversation with Masande and Grey Worm right back at the start. It just yeah. feels like this is happening because the writer wants it to happen. Not because there's any kind of logic at all. And certainly not because there's a good fucking story reason for it. No, uh, because there's not. It, because it's you know, the story off of the knees. That's the problem. Is that yeah, we've, we've, at, no. at this point, if this goes somewhere, you know, there is a very vague. You know, we do swoop back around. I think towards the end of season six or maybe season seven, we do swoop back around slightly, but it yeah. doesn't really have any kind of. No, it has no weight the, whatsoever. The, the, the problem is we, we've, as we talked about, the end of the last season, the end of this season. If if it's supposed to be a trilogy of trilogies, and so the, the books were supposed to be done in three blocks of three, this is the one, this is your first act of your second trilogy this yes. season. So you're supposed to be building things up which will pay off midway through book six. Yes. And if you're doing that, you have to carry it through. And we're, no, we're not a point yet where they're ahead of the books. So there's no reason, no reason for to it. do and that. Not, so if, I, if this is the point you decide to do it, then there need to be ramifications of that. Totally. You know, just like this should have been with Ned. And like, look, I, I have a, a clear like of Oberyn, right? Okay, so I'm, I'm biased. I get that. But if he has to go out, and there's a good story reason that he has to go out, I fine, okay? Yeah. Fine. Rob had to go, to be fair. Like, he, he does have to go. Um, but this is a similar thing. Goes too early and for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Like, it, it, there's just no good reason for... This is just another quick death for shock value. That's all it is. It, it and, is, and it's, it's probably the most shocking death we've had so far, to be honest. Oh, it absolutely is. I was, of it. I threw things when this happened. I, 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 lit, I threw the remote <laughs> because I was so fucking angry... Like I, I got up and started pacing and swearing as well. Like this, this really, really fucking wound me up because I've spent, like I say, the last eight weeks at this point following this character and rooting for him. Yeah. And like, if he's gonna go out, and I, I think this is too early for him to go out. But if this oh, is definitely. where it's gonna be, if you know, if it has to be that the mountain takes him out or whatever, if that, fine. But don't throw it away. And that's exactly what they do. They throw it away for, and even. Like the death itself looks fucking dreadful. Like yes. the whole squish in the eye thing. And I, I look in most cases, I would mean this as a compliment. I don't hear, given that I'm about to reference a thirty odd year old film with a micro budget, but it looks like something out of fucking Evil Dead. Yeah, it looks fucking terrible. Okay, yeah. and I fucking hell, I love Evil Dead. It, it's on my top films of all time list. But an effect like that has no place in a multi-million dollar show. No, like, that's right. do better. Yeah, and I mean, I said, I, I got fucked off with the showboating. I got fucked off. And the fact that he got caught, yes, okay, he's cocky. Yes, he's arrogant. But as you said, he's been dancing around that, no, that the, uh, no, the mountain-stricken body for a couple of minutes now. So there's no reason for him to get that close. But there's no reason for him to be doing that anyway. It's, what he, no, this, what this should have been is a statement that this is your fucking best. This is your hired gun. This is the person you sent to rape and murder my sister. This is the person who you put up to fight because you you want somebody dead, and this is how you do it. I I'm better than this. I'm no. This is me calling Tywin out, but without saying the fucking words, without me showboating and saying, "Tell me who did it. Tell me who did it. Tell me." Who you know who did it, and all you need to do is make a statement to Tywin saying, "Look, come at me, bitch. If this is the best you got, come at me." And that's what it should have been. You and that's take what it should his, have been. You take, you take out his big gun, and yeah. then yeah, you give you him. You make him panic. You you give it, him. A, you give him then another half season before yes. you blow it up. You give him the just bring it. You know, yeah. you you just literally turn to him and just give it. Come on, Tywin. You know, or just look, really, just like, look him dead in the eye and walk yeah, off. Exactly. 
Or if you really want a shock ending, have him. He's got a fucking spear essentially. Have him pull it back out of the mountain's chest and throw it a fucking Tywin. Yeah. Yes, intentionally. Yeah. But it's it's a statement. Yes. Uh, and yeah, then I mean, you've built a real credible threat. There's real tension going into next season. And okay, maybe there's not room for this storyline. I'd argue there fucking well is because there's a well, lot there's, of chaff coming. There, um, there are there are a lot of gaps. There's a lot a lot of uh, a lot of white noise in the next season. Three seasons, um, yeah. four seasons actually. Yeah, um, but yeah, the, the the whole and I, I know they had other plans for Tywin, but this just seems like a really pointless exercise in utterly pointless shock, and shock value, and that yeah. is it. that's it. And it's it's the, again, this is in the source because the, 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 there there are other plans for Tywin, and so I, I won't spoil that because that's coming in a couple of weeks' time. But the, no, I get that. But the Lannisters are bigger than Tywin. You've still yes. got Jamie, you've still got Cersei, you've still got Tom, and you've still got the issue of Marcella being over in Dawn. You 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 make the Dawn issue a credible threat to the whole fucking thing. The whole House of Card come, Cards comes down with them. But instead, I mean, look, you piss it away too early. Yeah. You fucking cr- you stove his skull in. And again, it's so fucking... The effect is terrible. But again, where... Uh, no, he's sort of, the mountain grabs him by the throat, punches him in the mouth, and we see teeth flying, because, you know, why not? And then... It's, yes, I, I yes I raped your sister. Yes, I killed her. I, oh, and yeah, I, I, I squ- crushed her skull like this. He's just admitted in front of hundreds of fucking people that he raped and murdered somebody. There should be repercussion for that. There should be repercussions for that. And okay, when we see him next, there will be some repercussions, but not to his his, his confession, but no. to the, the ramifications of the fight. And they'll no, that'll have weight for the next you know, couple of seasons. But it this I say it didn't annoy me too much. It didn't annoy me as much on the first watch because as I. I Having binged it and gone you know, through three, you know, four, uh, four seasons at this point, I was ready for a break. And this was just like, oh, fuck, there's no point in doing that. I've, I've been invested in this character. I've, I've, I've rooted for this character because th- this is where they've started to go. And then they've pissed away because we ha- we've not seen the brother. We've met um, India of Armour's character, whose name I can't remember, the, 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 the bastard. Um, so we've met her. We've not met the brother. We've not seen anything of Dawn. So it doesn't mean anything. This is just um, Johnny Foreigner comes over and gets washed by the local hard man. Yeah, and, and and if nothing else, right, if nothing else, if he needs to go away for a few seasons because he's going to get in, in the way of the rest of the story or whatever, yeah. right, how fucking brilliant would it be? How delicious a villain could you make him if you wanted a heel turn, right, once the audience started? I mean, I know Cersei's always the bad guy, but, you know, she is a character that the audience connects with. Yeah. Um, well, you might hate yourself for it, but you do. So how delicious is it if he gets to get away with this, go back to Dawn, and all of a sudden has control of Marcella. Yeah. And he's but, able to lord that over Cersei. Yeah. And again, in, in a very sort of, um, in a very manipulative sort of way, not yes. sort of way we see a little finger that, yes, okay, yeah, no, of course, no, you're not, why would you think you're my prisoner? You're here as a, a guest of our yes. family. You're going to marry my son or my nephew, whatever it is. You know, you're going to be the princess and the queen. and Build her up, like they There's tried to do with so Sansa. much to do with his character and and that is my key problem like look if they want to kill him it's their show they can do what they fucking want every character is expendable i get it every yeah. every character barred fucking one and we'll get onto that when we get onto it as well they realized that ultimately yeah. but um it but this just doesn't work is the problem like i get it you're trying to subvert expectation okay you've built a hero up this season he's a new player he's a credible threat you know i get it i really get it but They've built him and built him and built him. And then even with the fight, there is no back and forth. Like at no, no. point does it look like he's even breaking a fucking sweat. No, I think you, there's, there's one shot where the mountain 
whacks his spear with a sword and at the top of it splinters, so somebody gives him another one. Okay, yeah. well, he's got another one. No, no, no big fucking deal. I think the problem for me is, and I've been thinking about this as we've been talking about, they've built him up over this season, and they've built him up to be this, you know, we, we know there's something coming because, you know, even last week when he's talking to, to, um, to Tyrion about you know, uh, someone who shares my, my love of dead Lannisters or my desire for dead Lannisters, we, we've had this, so we, we know this thing. But the problem is they've built him like a season character, not a show character. Yeah. So they've built it up, and then they've treated him as though, right, well, that's our thing for this season. That's season four, out of the way. We've, we've got an arc here where we start and we finish, but except we don't because there's no fucking progression in it. And then we can move on to the next thing. And it's almost as though they've, they've, they've forgotten that this is a larger piece. It's, it's like they're kind of doing, right, okay, well, we're running a show, and this is how you run a show. You have that season story arc, and if you get to do more seasons, then you build in more backstory and character shit. But you have a story that starts on episode one and finishes on episode whatever is the end of the season. And that's the way they've treated this storyline without yes, realising that actually there's so much more to do with it. And they, they could have run this for another four fucking seasons. They've played it off like an old syndicated network show where yeah. it's like this is season two's arc. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, but even for that, this death is just so oh, yeah. so quick. And, so, and it's just... The complete gap in logic of stopping to showboat when, yes, I get it. He's cocky, he's confident. That's in his character, I get it. But he's also clearly a fucking exceptional fighter. But not only that, I mean, he's calculating enough that he's come into, he's he's come to to King's Landing at this point. So he's come in for, no, he's come in at the exact point where, okay, I'm assuming he doesn't know what's going to happen to Joffrey at the wedding, but he comes in and he, he immediately announces himself as a threat. The first time we see him, well, one of the first time we see him, he tells Tyrion, look, this is what your father did. I'm going to fucking make him pay for it. So straight away, you know there's a thing coming. And then it just, you, you, I don't know if you're supposed to forget about that. Because, no, it, it doesn't make any sense. He's, he's calculating. He's, he's, no, he, it's all done. It's all time. He's moved to sit on the, no, to, to agree to be a judge on, on the tribunal or the court or wherever it is. To, um, to agree to fight for Tyrion. These are all measured moves. These are all well thought out. They're patient, and all of a sudden he's there screaming. And no, uh, this is like this is his end game, but it clearly isn't because it doesn't make any fucking sense. He there's no situation, there's no way here that he wins because no. even if the mountain does name Tywin, what's going to happen? Really, yeah. Tywin's in charge of fucking King's Landing. He's in charge of Westeros, so it doesn't make any difference. So calling him out just doesn't fucking do anything. No, it it absolutely doesn't, and, and, it, and it flies in the face of his character because all of a sudden he's gone from being rational and measured and calm and patient and do you know how he spent his whole fucking life building up to this point to being a psycho in a fucking bar who's been punched in the face and obviously got a bottle in his hand it doesn't make any fucking sense no none what so fucking ever it's and again like i know the show's defenders will will come at it with ah but that's the point of the show anyone can die at any time and everyone's expendable and no um that's not fun because that's real life and that's that, not but what not we come for. That, yeah, okay, that, yeah, that, that is real. I think, yes, okay, to a point, that's what they've gone for. Everybody's expendable. It, it keeps you on your toes because if you get attached to somebody, they're going to fucking die. I appreciate that, but that's not long-form storytelling. No, that's, that's not what I'm how saying. You, that's, that's not, not how, how you run a fucking show. That's, that's not how this thing works. Movie. Yeah. You do a movie, it's one and done, and you don't, you don't invest to the point where people you care about die because you do it this way, and it, you stop story arcs dead. You did it with, they did it with Ned Stark, they did it with Rob, and they throw them away because there are no fucking consequences of it. And I was I was annoyed with Ned. I was annoyed with Rob. I'm super annoyed at this though because I feel like 
the red wedding in and of itself and we talked about it at the time whilst i whilst i disagree with with rob being dispatched so quickly and with cap being dispatched so quickly i think the scene was well executed so at least it it felt the logic was there if you like then the yeah. scene worked um likewise with ned we understood why he was on the block we understood why he wouldn't fight you know it, yeah. it was too late it like that scene worked this scene doesn't even work is the no. problem it that just, alone the fucking story arc it defies all logic um it's just absolute it's fucking nonsense is what this is it's absolute fucking nonsense and it infuriates me that i've I've invested myself. I mean, not this time. I've, I've, you know, I knew what was coming. So, as much as I've, I've loved Oberyn throughout this season, I've, I've purposely kept him at arm's length to an extent, you know. Yeah. Um. But first time out, I was all in for Oberyn. Every time he was, he was on screen, I was like, oh, brilliant, it's Oberyn. And and he felt like he was going to be a hero. As I say, he felt like somehow, somewhere along the line, he was going to have a part to play in the wider yeah. narrative. Yeah. Uh, and they've just they completely cut it off at the knees. I mean, even yeah. if even if he like he he's blinded, even if the mountain just wrecks his eyes for whatever reason, and then I don't know, Bron steps in, or Jamie, or Tyrion, or whatever. Yeah, even if it's happens. that, yeah. fine. At least it means something, and at least it can go somewhere. Yeah, but so what you can build on here, that. This, then. this just goes nowhere, and it not only does it cut Oberyn's story off at the knees as well, it just the whole trial by combat thing that the Tyrion's gone through is just it's gone it's, it's, it's all the tension is gone now because it's just once more we're just taking a great big dump on Tyrion yeah and there's no hope now okay ultimately in a few episodes time we'll talk about what happens with that and I have issues there as well but that's for a couple of episodes time yeah um for now this just feels like i mean what what was the point in even going for the trial by combat in the first place you could have yeah. just done what you were going to do with Tyrion anyway you didn't yeah. need to have this at all yeah it, and it's it's just again it's just done for, it's done for effect it's done for shock value um and it at the, at the, yeah and it's done at the expense of the story again um, yeah. and again i don't know whether it's it's the book or whether it's the wonder twins and the way they've mapped it out but it just seems to be it seems to be completely in the wrong place. It seems to be completely thrown away as usual. And I don't know, it just seems to, it, it invalidates probably the last season, to be honest. Oh, it yeah, it totally does. Because really this season, when you think about it, you know, last season we had all the stuff with the wildlings. Yeah. Um, this season, the main narrative thrust has been Tyrion being framed for Joffrey's murder and Oberyn, uh, looking for revenge against the Lannisters. That has been the narrative yeah. through line, really. Um, yeah. And they just piss it up against the wall right here. Like, yeah. we do, you know, very little happens with John's storyline, really, when you think about it. Um, it's it's moving forward, but very slowly. Very slowly, yeah. I think the, I think next week there's some big work There's some major development, yeah. But, but for the majority of this season, you know, same thing with Arya and the Hound. They're funny, but they're not really going anywhere. Yeah, you know, so most same of with this, Brienne and Podrick as well. Yeah. It's, it's it's comic relief. Yeah, I mean they've got else. their mission now and they're off, and that'll that'll come to pass in later seasons. Yeah. But most of this season has been about Tyrion and Joffrey's murder, and Oberyn is a big part of that. And it feels like he's going to spill out into something else. Yeah, and he never does. Just the same way 
that we get all of this with Gendry as well. And then he vanishes for no fucking yeah. reason. Like they they do really good work at building these characters up, you know, and I've talked about that before as well, how well they did at building him up to be a hero. And yeah. then we just forget about him. Like yeah. and, and maybe he's, he's gone, he's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, maybe in the books, like maybe there's more stuff with Oberyn in the books. Because I mean that's the other thing. Like we haven't really spent all that much time with him. Um, it's just that every time we do spend time with him, his narrative moves forward. Um, so it feels like there's something going on. It feels exciting. Now, maybe in the book, he gets to fuck around a little bit more in King's Landing and maybe he achieves a bit more before he goes. I don't know. I haven't read it. But certainly here, it just feels like he's shown up, kicked the hornet's nest and then and just sunk to death. Yeah. It's, it's oh, I just fucking hate it. I, I absolutely this like there have been moments in this show there's at least one per season and, yeah. and i say it all the time that, that wind me up but this was the one that really and there'll be many more like this as well from here on out <laughs> yeah. but this was yeah, this was a real fucking turning point for me this was this was the first time as i say i threw the fucking remote i was pacing because i was so angry this was the first time where i got up from the tv and just went fuck this show like I, I put up with it and the others I was, you know, I didn't like the Red Wedding. I didn't like Ned's death. I didn't like a few things that have gone on in the past. But this yeah. was the first time where I got up and just went, fuck this show. Because it felt like at this point, at the, just eight hours this season have been wasted. So, yeah. And, and it's a shame because we, we had a good, a good run of a couple of good episodes in a row as well. So, I mean, it is disappointting because as you know, when, when the show is good, it's very good. But the problem is they break the, the highs of relatively high i mean i'm half a giant anyway so you know it's it's not that impressive but then the lows are so are so fucking catastrophic and so immediate that you just think fuck why did i bother why did i well, those three or four episodes in a row were, which were really fucking clever and really good and really well executed that's just gone out the window now because they've just gone oh well fuck it it doesn't really matter if you watch the last 30 episodes that preceded this season because this season's all that matters and we're just gonna piss all over it we're going to tell half a story and then just drop it like a sack of shit. Yeah. And they'll keep on doing that. Oh, yeah. Continually, from this point on, this happens over and over. And every time I let myself get wound up by it. And I, I don't know, my relationship with this show is fucking masochistic in some ways. I yeah, think, definitely. Because yeah. I just, I let myself be damaged time and time again. Um, But this was the first like the others were bad this was the first one where i was just i seriously considered just been in the show at this point but i didn't i came back because i'm a fucking idiot <laughs> yeah and i mean as, as we go through this i mean i think people who've you know, people who know the show will know that they'll, they'll, they'll pick up the touch points that are going to set us off anyway because they're the same ones that set off half the fucking internet um, but yeah, well, I don't know. We've we've got one very specific one that everyone else seemed to have loved. Yeah, that's true, actually. And I, I, I that came up on uh, my Facebook memories thing a couple of weeks ago because it was certain uh, on on this day, however many years ago it was. And it's a conversation we had between uh, via comments on somebody else's post um, with a couple of friends of ours. And yeah, they were absolutely wanking over it. It was done fucking brilliant because the books. The do whole this world and, was. The whole yeah, world and, oh, loved it. And it's important because the book does this, and I said, "Yeah, that's fine, but it's not a fucking book. It's an adaptation. If you make it, if if it, you go with a book, that's fine because there may be reasons for it. There may not, but we don't know yet. But if you're adapting it, it's got to be adapted in a way that makes fucking sense. Yes. And these points, as we get them, you know, Ned's death, the Red Wedding, this, and then going forward, as we'll come to them." They don't make any fucking narrative sense. Your overall structures, your overall eight season arc, or however, however long it's going to be, 
these things don't carry any weight. So what's the fucking point in having them? Yeah, exactly. And and you know, there's there's an argument to be made for things like the red wedding, absolutely. And I would wholeheartedly support it if it had repercussions yes. and followed through the show. You know, this is and same with Oberyn's death here. This isn't me being a fucking butthurt fanboy and saying, no, oh, but I've really liked Oberyn. We're just killing for... And that's why I was so, you know, I wanted to get out in front of that and say, like, look, yes, I know I'm biased. This isn't that at all. This is, like, if you want to kill him, fine. If you want to kill Rob, fine. Ned, fine. And they can all be gut punches and they can all be really effective. Yeah. But they aren't because you don't do the fucking work and you don't follow it through. You don't set it up and you don't follow it through. And yeah. it's fucking infuriating. Yeah, and it's the second season we've said the same thing. I mean, we, we said it briefly with Ned in season one, but certainly all the way through season three, we're saying, right, this is the story. This is Rob's fucking year. This has to be his story because we knew, and obviously, obviously we, no, we were re-watching, so we knew where it was going, but knowing it's built into the Red Wedding, you're looking and saying, well, hang on, why do I give a fuck about the Red Wedding? Because I spent all of two minutes with the fucker yeah. in eight episodes prior to it. So why all of a sudden am I supposed to care and it's the same here. We've spent snippets of time with characters that are supposed to be important and seem to be driving the narrative. And then when you get this great big thing where they're trying to pull pull the rug from under you, it doesn't work because you, you ha- they haven't done the legwork. They haven't done enough to make you care in the first place. The, 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 the ones you really care about, certainly at the, this point with the storylines that are going on, you care that Tyrion has been shat on. You care that Sansa's been, you know, that Sansa's escaping from this, but has found herself in another fucking hole and she's trying to dig her way out. And you care that John is still being shafted from a great height by the by the watch. These are the ones you care about. Yeah. And then they're not getting the the time they deserve. They're not their stories aren't getting what they deserve. Um, instead, we spend far too much time pissing about. Totally. Much like Oberyn when he's got the mountain on the floor. Well, just yeah. Almost don't like finish him off. Just piss about. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's fucking that that'll never not annoy me. It makes no fucking sense. Like no. None. None whatsoever. Bah, I'm done. I'm done with this fucking episode. I'm done. I can feel myself. I can feel my fucking blood boiling. And like, by the time we finish recording here, it's like less than an hour until I go to bed. So I'm getting myself so fucking wound up that I won't sleep. Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this shit. Seriously, yeah. this, this episode fucking blows. I hate it. Fuck this episode all the fucking way to Bravos. Fuck it. Fuck it right in its stupid eye sockets. Which are now empty, by the way. Yeah, I hate uh, that. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, just for, for reference as well, you, you said you could keep that your, your comments on that section concise. That was 23 minutes. I think that was pretty good for me. <laughs> um, I'm stopping before I get too wound up. And yeah, the, makes sense. Like, I mean it. Fuck this episode, right? I hate it. But to be fair, there is good here as well. There was good stuff in this episode. There, there was some there very was. good stuff in this episode. They just fucking annoyed me so much in the last fucking five ten minutes that they gonna it just i forget it all just fuck them fuck them all yeah um but yeah so i mean yeah we've i think we've made our thoughts pretty clear on that one and i think that's something that we keep on coming up against time and time again in the show is just that the lack of follow-through on all of these things on these on these big events that they have um i think this is one of a more ranty episode so by all means listeners 
come at us um, if you have. You were warned. I mean, I'm just yeah, saying. Well, we, we've been I've warning been you about this for weeks. Restrained, I we, we've, been, we've been we've been we've been tra- we've been setting this one up for weeks. Um, unlike the showrunners, no. Um, but yeah, <laughs> um, if you have thoughts on the episode, especially if you disagree with us, um, please get in touch. Um, let us know. We'd love to know your thoughts. Again, we'd no, we'd love to have conversations. We'd love to have a dialogue with people. If, if you think that we've got it wrong, tell us why. Don't just get in touch and tell us we're idiots because we know we're idiots anyway, but we have reasons. Um, but yeah, let us know what you think. Let us know why that is. Um, we can get, uh, you can reach us on Twitter at ddpodcastnet, on Facebook with the Double Down Podcast Network. You can go to our website, ddpodcast.net, and leave a message through there. Uh, I'll also pick up uh, some of our other shows. Um, wherever you get your podcasts from, be it iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever, um, give us a like, give us a review, subscribe. Get in touch, and again, we'll we'll try it where people reach out. We'll try and get uh, try and uh, get in touch somehow and, and have a conversation with you. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of spitting chips at this point. So um, until next time, game over.